it was never truly about wins this season. So when you suddenly need wins, there's the rub. It's next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, how are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is March 28th edition of Locked On Jazz. The Utah Jazz fall two games out of the play-in, and it's looking unlikely. And frankly, they just weren't built for this. And we'll talk about why they weren't and how it's actually consistent to everything they've done all season long philosophical change by Will Hardy and how the Jazz play defense. We'll look at what it means and if it's the right change. League trends and a lottery play as well today on the show. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And hopefully, and we are free and available for you on every single podcasting app, as well as on YouTube. So please, hopefully you've joined the community, joined in with our other jazz fans. Follow us on YouTube, hit the little bell button and be a part of the group. Thanks very much for tuning in. So jazz fall last night to Phoenix. They play really, really well for three quarters. And then Phoenix just makes a bunch of shots and Phoenix is better than the jazz and, uh, and so the Jazz fall 117-103, getting outplayed in the fourth quarter. And I thought Will Hardy was interesting post-game when he said that, you know, he felt for these guys. And I, I think that's actually the right answer right now. Like, these guys are gaining it, battling it as best they can. This is not what the Jazz were built for. And we're really just honest about it, right? We weren't built to make the playoffs. We weren't built to make the play-in. We're in a process consistently have talked about this all year of being, you know, 36, 48 months of, of building. And I, I really have to say that while a lot of the surrounding events, like getting hot to start the year, Lowry Markkinen becoming all NBA, Lowry Markkinen becoming an all-star starter, Walker Kessler becoming one of the big best rim defenders in the NBA, all of the things that we're seeing, I have to give the Jazz some real credit in that they have not wavered. And I think that that's really hard to do in the midst of competition. Um, But from what I've seen from the Jazz is that they have stayed consistent to this all season long. And and really they've been consistent to every trade they've made along the way and every move they've made. Um, If we even, you know, you you get the the Rudy offer and then and then Donovan, you move Donovan as well, either. You know, it's still not entirely clear. Like, did you want to build around Donovan or you moved Donovan? It's irrelevant to talk about now, but you moved Donovan. And then, you know, the next move in there is we've talked about is that you're, and actually this is not in the chronological order, but you've you've acquired Taylor Horton Tucker for Patrick Beverly. That's just a move to get younger and got a talent. You get Kelly Olenek was a save money, but also Kelly Olenek was vital to the way the team played. Um, the trade deadline trades were... Clearing out Malik Beasley so Ochai Abaji could play. Clearing out Jared Vanderbilt so that Walker Kessler could play. And you trade Mike Conley you get a first-round pick. Like, the first two kind of had to happen anyway. So, 
They've been consistent in the sense that none of this is about a tank. They haven't tried to tank it at any point this season. And their moves have not been about a tank. And then secondarily, they've been consistent that, frankly, it's not about the wins now. It's much more about development. I mean, even if you look at how we used Walker, Kessler, and Ochai Baji this year, like at the 41st game of the year, Walker becomes a starter and Ochai becomes a player. And in the rotation, like the goal there on both of those guys was to give them time and opportunity this year to develop their skills and their craft, but also to do it in a manner for success. So, you know, we could have dropped Walker in the starting lineup in the opening day. He probably wasn't going to be ready for that. Instead, he gets those minutes. They protect him. He gets one start against Jokic. He gets just ass handed to him. And then they pull him back and let him continue to develop. And this was kind of the, re, you know, and by the 41st game, it was time like, okay, you're now going to get half the season to go up against the DeAndre Aytons of the world and, and the Demata Sabonises and the Brook Lopez's. And two of those three has been great. Last night, Phoenix shot 9 of 24 when Walker Kessler was the closest defender. 9 of 24. I mean, this is the best defensive players in the NBA type numbers. Like, it's really crazy stuff what Walker's doing right now. It's awesome. And the way the Jazz, you know, managed the Walker year was to make sure with Will Hardy and... and uh, Evan Brads and, and their whole staff and probably the front office was involved of like, okay, when's the time? It wasn't about wins or losses this season. It was about Walker developing into the best player he could be. You know, it's the Oreo cookie analogy. I think you guys have heard this from me in the past. But an Oreo cookie is the single greatest thing you can possibly have. It's like magic. And then there, it's really good. And then you dip it in milk and it's magic. Like once you dip an Oreo cookie in milk, it's the greatest thing you've ever had. Except for if you over dip the Oreo cookie and you leave it in the milk too long, then it crumbles and then all you have is like junk at the bottom of your cup. And if you dip it and you don't really like dip it enough, then it's really just another, it's just an Oreo cookie, which is super good, but it's not an Oreo cookie with milk. What the Jazz have tried to do is make sure that their two, you know, players get the perfect amount of milk and the perfect amount of dip into make it the, this this magic, right? Like, um, and it's probably could use peanut butter and chocolate analogy. Like if you put too much, I don't know because I don't do peanut butter. Like if you put too much on it, it's not enough. But the, do it just right. That's what that's been about all year with Walker and Ochai. It's been, it's been, and it's been terrific. We've seen Ochai have tough games. And we saw like last night he starts 0-4 and they hits three threes in the second half. And he gets 25 minutes. He kind of knows he's going to get that. His shots have changed dramatically. I wouldn't say one, last night was one of Ochai's better nights. He had to guard Devin Booker. He turned it over four times. He learned a lot. He learned a lot. But he knows he's going to play every single night now and get this opportunity. And that's and and it's about making Ochai, figuring out what Ochai is and making him the player that he can be for next season and the year after. The same thing with Walker. And so as we get into these games right now and you need wins to make the play in and we're all trying to figure out how to do that, we just don't have... We just don't have it. Like, we don't have the guys to do it. What's kind of nice, frankly, is... And even, you know, our starting lineup is Horton, Tucker, Abaji, Markin, and Olenek. It's not ideal, but, you know, last night when that starting lineup is on the floor, which it was on the floor for about five minutes to start the game and about five minutes or so for about 11 minutes last night, starting lineup was minus two. Like, okay. Like, that's a somewhat decent little grouping that was minus two. I mean, impressively, the Jazz went on a run last night with Horton Tucker, Kessler, I think it was Abaji, 
Juan Toscana, Anderson, and Jarrell Brantley on the floor. Like, that's surprising. Um, you know, the Jazz bring in Chris Dunn for Taylor Horton Tucker, and he's kind of, you know, they're kind of the same, and the Jazz actually extended out that run a little bit on a 10-0 run against them last night. So our main five guys, who aren't going to be our main five guys two years from now, but might be pieces of the puzzle in two years, are actually playing pretty well. So it's a rub. I think it's hard. It's consistent to everything we've talked about all year. I do think if you're a Jazz fan, it's like, you're kind of like, oh, bummer. And I am too, because, you know, I don't think we can make up two games in the play-in in the final, what do we have, eight left? Eight games left, is that what we have? Like, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can go six and two. It's just kind of what you have to do to make up two games. Um, even if we were to beat the Lakers twice um, and beat Oklahoma City, I think there's just now enough teams ahead of us. One, two, three. Well, we've only got seven left. Wow, that's sad. I mean, that's the sad thing, right? we only got seven left. So I think the chances of us getting in the play-in with seven left, you know, we'd have to go probably six and one when you're down two, um, maybe five and two. Seems really unlikely. So unfortunately, that, that has probably come to an end. The, the tip of the hat is that it's come to an end with a consistency that we've seen um, throughout, which I'm impressed by because I think that's really, really hard. And what I've seen most franchises do that make mistakes is they lose that consistency along the way. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai car, if you do the research and you see what you get for your bell, the bells and whistles you get for the Hyundai car, I think you'll be with me that you got to at least drive it. You got to go at least see what it's like, see what the value is, see whether or not you like it, because you do get more bells, whistles, safety features, safety ratings than you can get on any other car that's out there. Uh, that's unquestionable. That They are at the top of the food chain when it comes to value for your dollar in the Hyundai. The Murdoch family, that's 80 plus years in Utah. That's making sure you have the no regrets experience. That's making sure that you feel like you have been taken care of. And we've got the VIP treatment waiting for you at any of the three locations in Logan, Linden, or in Murray. So if you're going to stop by and visit Murdoch Hyundai, please send me an email at dlock. 09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com so I can set you up and give you the locked on VIP experience at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book and the official sports book of Locked On. And right now has the no bet, or excuse me, has the no sweat first bet deal for you up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net, all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet at $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On and the number one sportsbook in America. Check it all out. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, how about Locked On Sports today? The 22-minute recap of everything going on in the sports world. Catching you up on both Final Fours, anything happening in the NFL, Major League Baseball spring training, all the things that if you have a life, wife, kid, job, any of those things, it's too hard to keep track of. They do it for you in 22 minutes each and every day. Locked on sports today. Also available on YouTube. 
so I wanted to get into this. I dug into it a tiny bit yesterday with you. And I wanted to dig into it all the way today because I asked Will Hardy about it. And Will said that the Jazz have had a complete philosophical change due to personnel, but also due to the impact of what they saw on how they were going to play. So it has to do, and I think this is a really important item, this is shot, shot distribution, defensive shot distribution, which I think is really wildly important. Um, where the quality of shots you give up over the course of a year you're going to, that's going to make a difference. Um, you know, on a given night, some teams get hot, some teams don't. But over the course of the year, if you force good shots, I think you'll be okay. So up up until March 1st, so up through February 28th, the Jazz were allowing 33.6 shots a game at the rim, which was 12th in the NBA. They were allowing... of shots at the rim, excuse me, at threes, which was the second best in the NBA. They were allowing 7.2% of all shots as corner threes, which was third best in the NBA. And teams were taking non-restricted area twos at 35.2%, which was the fourth best of any defense in the NBA. Or actually, excuse me, that was Washington. 33.9%, fifth best, 26th in the league. So I know there's a lot of numbers here, but let's, and I'll contrast them. I'll try to make it make sense. So 33.6% of shots at the rim, which ranked 12th in the league. 32.5% of threes, which was the second fewest of any team in the NBA. 7.2% of those were corner threes, which was third in the NBA. And in turn, long twos, where's 26? So let's go to March 1. And, you know, I, I've i chosen March 1 because it's probably the most dramatic. I think it's accurate. It maybe should back up a little bit, but let's just go with March 1. It's a turn of a calendar day. It works. It's a smaller sample size. One number I forgot. Let me go back one thing. I forgot one really, really important big picture number there. So I apologize. Location effective field goal percentage. And we'll look at um, something on second spectrum as well. Uh, this is from cleaning the glass. The Jazz, the average, if the a team shot an effective field goal percentage of average against the Jazz, it was 54.9, which was sixth best in the NBA. I'm a huge believer in that stat. Like, I really think that that's, like how you play defense in the NBA. Golden State's number one. Boston's number two. Milwaukee's number three. Washington, surprisingly, is number four. Give Wes Unsold credit. Clippers are number five. Lakers are seven. Miami's eight. We were sixth. Philadelphia. Phoenix is nine. The best teams do this well. Sacramento is a bad defensive team. Actually does it well at 10. Um, it's why Memphis... Makes me nervous in the playoffs. Over the course of time, like, it's a make or miss league, but but if you force people to take bad shots or less efficient shots over the course of time, it will work out for you. So that's where the Jazz were. They were good. Like, their their philosophy was good. I mean, it gave them a six best, but they've made a massive change. 
So the Jazz went from allowing up to February 28th, the 12th most amount of shots to the rim, at 33.6. They have since then allowed 26.1% of their shots at the rim. It's an, This is massive. This might be really geeky to you, but I actually think this is probably the most important thing we've seen, we're, we're talking about all year. So the Jazz are suddenly allowing 26% of shots at the rim, third best in the NBA. That's a crazy low number. The league average is 32.5. Crazy low. The Jazz, however, in the same time period, are allowing the most threes of any team in the league at 41.6. So they went from allowing 32.5% of their shots as threes to 41.6% of their shots as threes. They went from the second best team in the league at denying threes to last in the NBA at 42%. On the corner three, they went from 7.2, third best in the league, to 11.2, 4% more, almost four a game, which gets them at 26 in the league. And on twos, so on all long twos, they're actually, in the midst of this, they're suddenly allowing, opponents are actually taking a few less <clears throat> twos, non-restricted area twos than they were. They went from 33.9 to 20, 32.4. So, and that takes them to 19th in the league. They were, so they're now in the middle of the pack. They were the fifth best. They're now the 11th best. So are they right? Well, Location effective field goal percentage is actually better. They've dropped from 54.9 to 54.3. And they've gone from sixth best to fourth best. So it slipped a little. I mean, it's gotten better by a little. The logic behind this, I think you probably know if you listen to the show, is that teams shoot 67.2% at the rim. So the average shot at the rim, that's up, by the way. That's or that's since March one. It's actually it's been sixty six point six for the season. So the average shot at the rim. So this is I just have it through March one. So even you know in this time period, but if you take the league average for the season, you're one point three points per shot at the rim. The oh the three overall is going in at about thirty six thirty seven percent or one point one points per shot. Now, the corner three is close to 40%, so that's 1.2. So the increase in corner threes would probably be the item that I would guess we'd like to get rid of. But from a big-picture standpoint, this is actually the right move. This is also building your defense around Walker. And also, Walker's having an impact on teams are shooting 65% at the rim against us, which is the eighth best in the NBA. What teams are doing right now that's a little strange is they're shooting 57% since March 1st on long twos and they're shooting 46% on corner threes. Those those are not sustainable numbers. Those, those have to drop. And then this defense looks way better than it does right now. So right now it looks okay. It looks better. Their half-court defense since March 1st is better. And they're having an unnatural sh- hot shooting happening against them that cannot last. Unless... You know, there, you always wonder a little bit, like, is there, is there something going on defensively where there's just so little resistance or something of that sort that's allowing this to happen? Since, you know, your goal here is to have better half-court defense. That That's the, the goal. Since March 1st, 
And again, there's some variance here. The Jazz half-court defense is not great. It's 25th in the NBA at 104.8. So that has not had the impact that the Jazz probably would like it to have. But again, I just talked about there's kind of some crazy variance going on there with the way teams are shooting against the Jazz right now. And I I don't think that teams can continue to shoot like that against the Jazz for a period of time, and I think it gets better. When the Jazz, up until March 1st, it wasn't as though the Jazz had an answer either, frankly. Um, their defense was 22nd in the NBA. Now it's 25th on, in the half court. Um, the big difference is teams' offenses right now are just through the roof. They get better as the year goes on. But I think this is really interesting. The last thing I would say on this, and this is why I think this is the right call, is over the last few years, what's clear is if you're going to make the playoffs... So you're going to be a winning team in the NBA. You have to deny the rim. Now what's tricky is the teams that make the playoffs don't go to the rim. But the best teams that deny the rim this year are Golden State, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, then Washington, Houston, Orlando, interestingly. Lakers, New Orleans, Clippers, Utah. Like Those are the teams that are the best in the league at denying the rim. You have to deny the rim. If you don't deny the rim, and the, the thing, that, now here, is the thing I'll add to this in a second. Last year, Golden State, Boston, Utah, Phoenix, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, Washington, Miami, Orlando, New Orleans. Like, those are the teams defending the room. Here's the one thing I think's of interest, and I would leave this, is the Jazz probably have to figure out how not to be last. Because if you look at the teams right now in, that are really good, that deny the rim, Golden State, they're 21st in allowing threes. Milwaukee, they're 4th in allowing threes. Boston, they're 14th in allowing threes. Miami's 29th. Washington's actually great at now. Suddenly, Houston, Orlando, L.A., New Orleans, who aren't very good, right? Those aren't as good of teams. They're actually 30th, 27th, 22nd, and 25th at allowing threes. So they've sold out so much to deny the rim, particularly Orlando, who's also allowing a ton of corner threes, that they're not getting as good benefit out of it. And it seems to be detrimental to their success. All right. League trends we usually do on Monday. We did not do them yesterday. We'll do those, and then we'll play our lottery. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked on NBA Big Board with Raphael Barlow, along with Leif Tuline, Sam Ferris, and Richard Stamen. Does an unbelievable job getting ready for the NBA draft with only seven games. Seven games? How sad. Left in the season, it's probably time to start listening to NBA Big Board on a daily basis, so please do so. Uh, for your that's your second listen of the day. All right, trends. We like to look at trends. We do it usually on Mondays. Um, this year's kind of a funny time of the year to do it because everyone's some guys are coming back, some people aren't. So let's take a second. We'll look at the last ten games, and then we'll go to the last two weeks. We'll look at those two different trends to see what we see of going on in the NBA. Minnesota certainly going to be interesting to see if they pop in here because they are playing much better basketball having won four in a row. The wild card, though, also is the Memphis Grizzlies through all the turmoil seem to have come together. So the teams are the hottest teams in the NBA over the last 10 games in the NBA are Boston, plus 13, New Orleans, plus 11, Memphis, plus 10, Philly, plus 7, Cleveland, plus 7, and Milwaukee, plus 5, the Clippers, plus 5 as well. Teams are really struggling are Portland, San Antonio, Houston, Detroit, Indiana, and Washington. It's unfortunate for us. The best offense in the NBA over the last 10 games is Memphis, then Sacramento, then Atlanta, so Quinn's got them rolling offensively, not defensively. Boston, 
Philadelphia and the Clippers, with Miami surprisingly playing good offense there. Teams that cannot score right now are Portland, San Antonio, Charlotte, the Thunder, Detroit, and Washington. The defensive best team in the NBA over the last 10 games is New Orleans Pelicans. That's really surprising. Boston, Cleveland, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. Teams not defending are Houston, Indiana, Miami, Sacramento, Portland, and Washington. So Miami and Sacramento, really surprising to see down there in that stretch. Um, struggling like that. Let's look at the last uh, two weeks, which is much more recent. So that was the last 10 games. So we'll look now at the last... Two weeks of trends through cleaning the glass. This will eliminate blowout time too. So sometimes it's a little bit of a better stat um, to look at. The number one team over the last two weeks is the Boston Celtics, then New Orleans, Toronto, Cleveland, Memphis, and Denver. Obviously, no surprise. Team struggling. Detroit, Houston, Portland, San Antonio, and Utah. Offense, Memphis, New York, Atlanta, Toronto, Miami, and Boston over the last two weeks. Memphis, number one in the league offensively. Remember how badly they were struggling earlier this year. That makes them, a, if they can really score and if they're doing it in the half court, that makes them a viable playoff team. Teams not scoring are Charlotte, Portland, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston, along with Oklahoma City, struggling to score. Teams defending the last two weeks, there's New Orleans again. Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Orlando, and Philadelphia. Orlando is so interesting up here defensively. Jamal Mosley's got that team. Really defending. Teams not defending at all are Houston, Indiana, Detroit, Washington, Miami, and Utah. And our... And... Oh, that's interesting. Teams teams outperforming the Vegas. Um, So that's where it is right now. I mean, that Memphis is really probably worth keeping an eye on. New Orleans clicking in a little bit. Um, The standings race is interesting. As we fall two games out of it, uh, Dallas is still out. They're a half game out against Oklahoma City. I don't think they have that tiebreaker. Lakers have some really interesting games coming up where they have to win. They're only a half game out of Dallas too. Lakers, Thunder, Dallas looks like one of those is not. One of those is definitely not going to make it. Probably um, as New Orleans kind of is rolling, and Golden State is now back into the play in after Minnesota wins last night and has won four in a row. All right, let's do our lottery. See where we sit. I think we're going to sit at ninth for a long time here. I just don't see us catching. We're two losses. Ahead of Washington, Chicago still playing to win. Um, they've won seven of the last ten. They did lose last night. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have this situation for a night, a while. The only problem is that Minnesota's not playing along right now. So we have the ninth pick. Minnesota's at 18th, and Philadelphia's at 27th. So nine, 18, and 27. That's really easy to remember. Do every nine picks we'd be drafting. Let's see what happens. Are we ready? Three, two, one. Lottery underway. Charlotte gets the number one pick of the draft. Houston holds it two. Oklahoma City jumps 10 spots to the third pick. They suddenly have Chet Holmgren and I don't know who the third pick would be. Maybe Scoot Henderson. Maybe Brendan Miller. Chicago jumps all the way to four, so Orlando doesn't get that pick. Detroit at five. San Antonio at six. Portland at seven. Orlando at eight. Indiana at nine. Washington at 10. And Utah at 11. It's like our worst case scenario almost. Utah and then New York would get Dallas's pick at 12. New Orleans would get the Lakers pick at 13. Toronto. And we would finish with 11, 18, and 27. It's not a great scenario for us. I don't see us sliding anywhere out of that situation uh, right there. 
All right, tomorrow we'll come to you live from San Antonio as the Jazz get ready for the Spurs, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Boston Celtics, not in that order, on the upcoming road trip. And we begin to wrap this season up, sadly. It's been so much fun. Uh, but we'll continue to have an awesome offseason together. So you and we won't go away, just the games. Instead, we'll have fun stuff to talk about getting ready, looking at players, getting ready for all this draft stuff, analyzing who's what. It'll be awesome. Thank you very much for tuning in being a part of the show today. You guys are fabulous. Thanks for being a part of our jazz community. It is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.